our Father which art in heaven. Lord, you've given us the gift of life today. That means you have a purpose in us living. Lord, today we want to know you in a deeper way than we've ever known you before. You'd come, you'd speak to our hearts. This is not just theology or anything. It's real life stuff. How does the gospel work? We talk a lot about it, but what's the nuts and bolts about it? So, Lord, yesterday we talked about justification, that you're the justifier. In John 14, 6, it says you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. And so we want to make that a practical experience in our life, how you're the way in our life, how you're the truth. So please bless us as we uh, share together today. And we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, yesterday... No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say this. What's the definition? Simple definition for justification. All right, Terry, you did it. Justified never sin. Justified never sin. God looks at us and he sees Jesus Christ's perfect character wrapping us up. Okay, now today we're going to talk about the second part of the gospel. In John 14, or John, Revelation 14, 6, we have these three angels that are flying in the midst of heaven, right? And so sometimes we just brush over that first angel, but the first angel is carrying the everlasting gospel. And if you look at the world, the everlasting gospel is kind of confusing. There's a lot of different ideas about the gospel. But the two main points of the gospel is we're justified by faith in Christ alone, and the second part is we're sanctified by faith in Christ alone. Okay, now sanctify. This is a part that the uh, humanity and divinity are combined. We're working together to surrender our lives over to, to Jesus in, in the practical aspects of our life, things that we war against, the temptations and things of the flesh, and how we have victory over those things. So um, what happens after I give my life to Jesus? Well, yesterday we gave our lives to Jesus Christ, brand new, fresh. Never, it's never been like that before. It was brand new, and you were justified. You were cleansed from your sins and unrighteousness, and you recovered with his perfect robe of righteousness, right? We did that. Okay. Now, he gives you his own righteousness. We went through that quite a bit yesterday. And this is out of uh, the present truth, January 30th, 1890. The moment the sinner lays hold of Christ by faith, his sins are no longer upon him. Christ stands in the sinner's place and declares, I have borne their guilt. You shouldn't be bearing your own guilt right now. You gave that away yesterday. You shouldn't feel guilty about anything. We've given it to Christ. We've accepted his peace and joy and forgiveness. I've taken his sins. I've put my righteousness upon him. In Christ, the sinner stands guiltless. Does anybody like that? You know, it's, it's lawful to say amen in this class if you'd like to, okay? Great. Review and Herald, July 22nd, 1884. The moment you surrender yourself wholly to him in simple faith, Jesus accepts you and encircles you in his arms of love. 
He holds you, you more firmly than you can grasp him. He holds you. Jody had a, a story where you found that, that statement. Uh, it's not our holding on to Christ, it's him holding on to us. Why don't you share that, that thought you had, how you came up to that conclusion, because when we're in uh, California. Oh, okay, I don't, I don't know if any of you have had this experience where you've been in a Sabbath school class or a prayer meeting, and it's testimonial time, and people will be praising God for him helping them find keys or, you know, whatever the situation was. And then someone will come up and say, I let go of the hand of God and I fell this week and I don't know what to do. And there, people are constantly letting go, letting go, letting go. Have you heard that? And maybe, maybe you have experienced that. I've, I've let go of the hand of God and I, I blew it. Well, I, I was really wrestling with that. It didn't sound good to me. It didn't sound right. You know, it's like this cut across my grain. And it almost left me with no hope. I thought, does my salvation depend on my hold on Christ? And so I asked the pastor, I asked the Sabbath school teacher, and they couldn't give me an answer. And so I continued to wrestle with God in prayer. And then one day as I was studying and, and doing my devotions, I was reading through the book of Acts of the Apostles. And I found this wonderful statement, and I can't quote it verbatim. It says that, well, you can't move. <laughs> it, says, it says something like this. If our salvation depended upon our hold on him, now, was that a direct answer? We could not be saved. But it depends upon his hold on us. Our grasp on him may seem feeble, and it is, isn't it? But he holds us like an elder brother. Amen? And I'll find that for you, and I'll send it to you in an email. Thanks. We didn't plan that. I do that a lot to her. <laughs> uh, let, me, let me see if I do have that. No, you just keep going. Yeah, I will. I will. It's Acts of the Apostles uh, 522. 5.52. 552, yeah. second paragraph. It says, it goes on, it says, His love is that of an elder brother. So long as we maintain our union with him, no one can pluck us out of his hand. Yeah. So our challenge is to maintain that, yeah, maintaining that union with Christ. Okay, uh, we started out with John uh, 14. Yes. Yeah, okay, sorry. Okay, Jesus accepts you. I, I said that. Let's see. Oh, okay. Come to the light and triumph in God. Then shall your peace be as a river and your righteousness as the waves of the sea. Christ's object lessons. Righteousness is right doing. That's a definition for righteousness, doing what is right. Okay. Now, in and of ourselves, because we're carnal and we're self-centered, we can't do what's right. But when we connect ourselves to Jesus Christ and he's done what is right, he will help us to do what is right in every situation. And you're going to have to ask yourself, well, what, what is right in this situation? What should I do? And he will help you. And it is by the deeds that all will be judged. Our characters are revealed by what we do. The works show whether the faith is genuine. 
So do we go out and do good deeds just so we can be saved? Is that the, what he's saying? No. It's going to be a natural thing as we're connected to Jesus. We will do right things. It's just a natural thing. So you begin your walk in holiness, and that's what we're doing right now. Okay, Completeness, maturity, however you want to say it, holy to, completely holy to God. He begins to renew our minds. Do we need our minds renewed? Okay. Now, for my since I was born, I filled my mind with garbage. Things that was not true, holy, just, or good. And the music and the TVs and all that type of stuff. So I needed a new mind. Romans 12, 2. Be not conformed to this world, but ye be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, renewing our mind comes by saturating our minds with the Word of God and having God speak to us. And so His words will be in our minds. We have negative thoughts. I don't know if you've ever had a negative thought. Has that ever happened to you? Do you ever have negative thoughts about people? Do you ever work with... Do any people here work out of the home? So you have a, you have a group of people you work with. Do you ever have negative thoughts about the way they're doing things or not doing things? Maybe your pastor even? Negative thoughts. Critical thoughts. I would have done it this way. Why are they doing it that way? They shouldn't have done it that way. I would have done it this way. My way is better. <laughs> okay? Uh, and impure thoughts. This is where I like to cut my head off sometimes. I get so tired of those impure thoughts, especially for guys. I'm just talking for guys. But there are billboards. There are all kinds of goofy things bombarding us with sexual immorality. Okay? So what are we going to do about that? Corrupting influences on the mind. Television, turn the TV off, get rid of it. <laughs> Reading materials and addictions. And this is the, the neat thing about having the Holy Spirit in your life now because you're walking in the Spirit and the Holy Spirit is going to let you know that you're out of line. That's His job. You know, you probably shouldn't be reading this. You know, you probably shouldn't be watching this. You probably shouldn't be listening to this. So we need to listen to that voice. Now, yesterday I talked about listening to that still, small voice in our minds, right? Uh, that's not something I made up. It's something that's found in the Scriptures. Um, it's in Isaiah 30, verse 21. Isaiah 30, verse 21. And thy ears shall hear a word. There's that word again. A word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand and when ye turn to the left. So God is going to direct our thoughts and letting us know which way to go. Okay? Philippians 2.5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What kind of mind did Jesus have? A pure mind. Uh, give me another, some more things about his mind. Is pure, positive. Uh, was he always looking for ways to like help people? Selfless. Great. I love it. Okay. All right. Beautiful. So that's the kind of mind he wants us to have too, and that's not normal. We need to. We need to be born again. We need to, need to have the new, the new mind that he's promised to give to us. Um. 
he's also told us in the scriptures the things that we can think about. Now, there's a number of things that we shouldn't think about, but God's given us a uh, scripture here to share what we can think about. So we can think about things that are praiseworthy, noble things, lovely things, things that are true. A lot of things that come into my mind aren't even true. And so I need to check myself out. Now, wait a minute, is that true? And what I'm thinking about that guy, is it true? No, I just said, no, that's not even true. Then get rid of it. Just reject it. Reject that thought. And a lot of things that, that we have worried about are things that have never come true. Like, like going on a mission trip and how are we going to get the funds together and then God provides the funds. Or we're going on a trip or something and we start worrying about how we're going to get there, how, how all these parts are going to fit together. That's silly. Worry is blind and can't, do not, cannot discern the future. Yeah. I was going to say there are a lot of true things out there that we still shouldn't be thinking of. Like the evening news, for example. There's a lot of true stuff on there, but we don't know how true it is, right? That's right. what you're saying. But still, there's some truth to it. So we just shouldn't focus on it. Pray for those terrible things that happen. But, but think, on, think on excellent things. On Facebook, my wife says, there's nothing on Facebook true. Why do we even look at it? And I'm thinking, well, there might be... Some... I ask you, is it true? You can't trust Facebook. Is it true? Yeah, like... you, you try, there's not a lot of truth on there. Okay, you're being deported. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, but in, in really, in reality, she's right. <laughs> because there'll be some guy on there with some uh, some health thing that he's done this and done that and... and you need to buy this, this vitamin, or you need to buy what, and it's not even true. Yeah. So, in a lot of respects, that's that's true. So, excellent things. Think on things that are right and holy and just and good and pure. And we can think on Jesus. We can think upon His life, the life that He lived, and what He gave up for us. It's always safe to think on those things. Second Corinthians ten five. I love this one. I I use it a lot, especially when I first surrendered my life to Christ because I had my mind was so full of garbage. It was a constant battle to bring it into subjection to Jesus Christ. So I love this text, casting down the imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And it, it really truly works. I've done it. It works. So... Uh, you got to tell yourself the truth. This is the truth right here. You're a child of the king. Amen? Okay, you're a child of the king. A lot of our people forget that. But it's important to remember who we are. You know, Satan tried to get Jesus to forget who he was. In Matthew chapter 4, he went through the temptations. God had just told him in his baptism, this is my beloved son. This is my son right here. And so then in the next few verses, then Satan comes along and says, well, prove it. Prove who you are. We don't have to. This is the truth right here. We're a child of the King of Kings. We should live like that. I'm a new creature today. See, I used the text yesterday, 2 Corinthians 5.17, for new creatures. The old things are passed away. The old life they're, they're gone forever. It's not part of us anymore. And I'm precious to God. 
When you think about the cross and what Jesus Christ went through for each one of us individually, or Gethsemane, think all the suffering that went on in Gethsemane. Because of us, because of his love for us, you're very precious to him. You're special to him. You're never alone. He's always there. He's always behind the scene. He's always with you. Your habits change. Now, when I surrender my life to Jesus Christ, a lot of people struggle with smoking, and they just can't get over it. But when I gave my life to Christ and believed with my whole heart that I was a new creature, I believed by, by faith that God had came into my heart and my life, and he changed my desires. So I did not have a battle with smoking. I was smoking three packs of cigarettes a day, wow. okay, when I quit. And God took it from me. He just flat out took it from me. And I can't say that I did it because I didn't. So he did that with alcohol, tobacco, and all the other negative things in this life. He just took it away from me. So our, our habits change because of Jesus Christ. We, we have uh, the new habits start developing. Oh, oh, alcohol, okay. Yeah, he definitely changed my, my desire for that. And so he started having me drink several quarts of water every day to clean me up. Uh, I'm still doing that. <laughs> it's amazing how, how important water is to us. And I stopped eating pepperoni pizza at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> God told me, you know, this isn't the best thing for you, so knock it off. You know, but he gave me a choice. He didn't force me, but I had to make that choice. And because I had a habit of eating late at night and, and gross, nasty things like fried baby shrimp and all this stuff, that when the Holy Spirit came in, he said, you know, this is not good for you. You need to do something about it. And so he gave me this choice. And so was I ever tempted to eat pizza at 2 o'clock in the morning? Yeah. So I recognized that. And I go, oh, wait a minute. That's not me anymore. And so I chose not to do it. That's divinity, divinity and humanity combined working together. God didn't take it away from me. He didn't force me not to do it anymore. But I made those choices based on education, too. Okay, and then there was, uh, yeah, eating more fruits and vegetables. This was a cool thing about going home uh, and seeing my mom. You know, I was at the end of the road and uh, didn't have a reason to live anymore, and the Holy Spirit came into me. I didn't know the Holy Spirit, but I can say that now. And he just flat out told me, he said, you need to go see your mom. And so my mom was a Seventh-day Adventist. She wasn't always that way. I grew, in a, grew up in a non-Christian home. And they were living in a tavern, and they worked in a tavern, they ran the tavern. I slept in the back of the tavern, slept in the car different times, all kinds of weird things like that as a young age. But now my mom spent her life to Christ. Her whole life changed. I saw God change her life. And so now here I am at the end of my road. What did you think about that? I, I didn't really think. I thought, well, that's weird. I just thought she was weird because I wasn't into it. And I really didn't believe in the power of God. You know, it was just a, a name, basically. It was a swear word before that. And so, uh, but when I saw the change in her, that really did impress me. I thought, wow, something must have happened there. So well, I'm at the end of the road, and then this thought came into my mind. And that's where I really started listening to this thought, that you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is a way. And this word said, go see your mom. I thought, wow, that's really weird, because I hadn't been home for several years. But I thought, you know, uh, maybe I should go do that and see maybe something's wrong with her. Well, the thing was that there was something wrong with me. It wasn't something wrong with her. 
And so I got home, and then she started nursing me back to health and eating vegetarian food, getting fresh air, exercise, and you know, all, drinking water, all these types of things. And at that point, then I really started seeking after if there's a God or not. Oh, yeah, I did it. Yeah, I was ready. Yeah, I knew I needed help. You know, I was a mess. So, and that, it worked, you know. That's God gave me my mind back. And so then he took, you know, he changed my music likes and dislikes. So I went from listening to Led Zeppelin to Amazing Grace. And that, this was a battle. This was one of my hardest battles was with rock and roll. And, um, but God did it. He gave me the choice. I remember, I think I told you yesterday about driving around. I was still, this was after I was baptized, after I surrendered my life to Christ. I'm still driving around listening to stuff, you know, non-Christian things. And this still small voice came in over the music and told me that Jesus and this music couldn't be in the same place. And so you need to decide who you, who you want to live for now. And that's when I said, well, God, I've lived for myself my whole life. I don't want to do that anymore. It's a dead-end road. And so he, he took that desire away. He just took it away. So I started listening to hymns. And, and even, this is really strange, but um, classical music. <clears throat> started listening to classical music. And that was, that was me when I, uh, Joy and I met, and her mom gave me a perm. <laughs> I mean, everybody had a fro. Anybody in here have a fro? <laughs> All right, brother. Okay. That was just sort of style. I had a better one than that. Oh, a real one? You had a real one? <laughs> okay. Yeah, so and then he, uh, the next thing he started doing with, with me was changing uh, my dress. And when I met her, I, I went to, I need to tell you this story. This is part of it. I was so excited with the fact that Christ had made me a new creature that I started telling everybody about it. And on the streets, I worked in a car dealership. People come in there, I talk to them about Jesus, and he's real, and he cares about him, and he has power to change our lives. And so I started getting in trouble doing this because I was doing it with, it was like two times in a row, talking to married women and I learned a lesson very, at the very early onset of this Christianity thing. You don't study with married women alone. Okay? And so they were getting this other idea about me. And so after the second time, I realized, uh-oh, this is a problem. So I prayed, God, I need a helpmate. You know, I, or I'm going to be Paul. That was my two decisions. I'm going to be Paul the rest of my life, or I need a helpmate. So I don't get in these situations anymore. So I started praying. In three days after praying, this still small thought word came into my mind and says, you need to go to Yakima for church. He did, just like that. Yakima was 70 miles away. Didn't know anybody in Yakima. Didn't even know if they had a church in Yakima, but I obeyed. I said, wow, God, okay, we're going. And so I had a friend that I was hanging out with, Tim. So we both went over there, walked into this church, about six or seven hundred people. It was a big church. Three. I know I was one three. It was big. It was huge. And all these three suit guys were walking around, you know. And I had blue jeans and old leather coat. My hair was down on my shoulders. And so I walked in the door, and the, the lady that greeted us, uh, she told us how to get to the youth thing. So I walked in there, and I look around, and there's all these preppy people in there. And I'm not preppy. And I'm realizing I'm not even fitting in this thing. Besides, he wasn't a youth. No. 
I was a little over the heel of youth. But so I sat in the back row and I'm just kind of looking, checking everything out, not even really paying attention to what's going on. And this young lady was up front singing a song by uh, Take Three. It's a kind of folk song. And I listened, it was okay. And I, uh, I, we came out of there, what didn't even pay attention to her at all. But uh, her and her friend Debbie came up and introduced themselves to us and welcomed us to church and come on back and that type of thing. And so we drove away and we left. And I got about a block away, and a still small voice came into my mind, the same one I'm hearing, like, go see your mom. Now it's going, go back and meet the girl. <laughs> and so, so I, we go back there, and she's the only one left. Everybody else uh, was gone except her and Debbie and the pastor, because she got in trouble by, by the pastor. And so she, she, was, like, she was trying to control the church, I guess. Uh, and so... <laughs> yeah right so uh, anyway so we, we walked in there and the lady that had welcomed us said hey why don't you kids come over to my house and have lunch and that was really cool because then it gave us a chance to, to get to know each other a little bit and so we went out for a walk in the alley we were talking back there and so we decided to go up to Mount Rainier so I went up there, sang songs, played the guitar, played the flute, and had a really great Sabbath. That was unusual for me. You know, it was foreign, but I really liked it a lot. So the next week, we decided to go down to the beach together, down the Washington coast, Oregon coast. And uh, that's, that next part's coming up when we pick up the hitchhiker. So, I so I'm not going to go any <laughs> <laughs> but the, the point of that story is that God had directed me to this young lady who had given her life to Jesus Christ and had already decided there was no good men in the world anymore. And so I was kind of an answer to a prayer, huh? <laughs> so, so, and we've been working together for 40, over 40 years now. I, know, I knew her for six weeks before we got married. I mean, six months, sorry. Six months. <laughs> But, <laughs> yeah, it was six months. But anyway, the point is that you know God directed us together, and and we've been working together ever since. So, uh, yeah, and so the next thing God was working with me on was how I was dressed. So I so I I was impressed to go get a suit, which was really foreign to me because I didn't wear suits. So I got the suit and met the girl, got married, and we've been working together. So. There. Oh, my language. Remember I told you yesterday I got kicked out of first grade for swearing? So God works with us on our, la on our language, too. And, uh, and he will let you know, like if you're out of line. If I, say, if I even say a slang word now, it's wrong. He will tell me that. You, know? you shouldn't have said that. Or the way I say things, like I was a principal in high school for a couple, a couple, two different high schools, and getting on people's cases that deserved to be got on, and then he would tell me, you know, what you said was right, but the way you said it was wrong. And so he corrected me. And I, I like that. I want him to do that. So, okay. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication. Whoops, I'm, I'm just jumping ahead. Let no corrupt words proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So we're to be savers into our, our own people, too. 
So we should have grace uh, mixed with our words so that we are saving our own people too in the churches. So in board meetings, we're not angry and throwing fits and accusing people. I don't know if you've ever seen that happen, but I have. It's not fun. I, I was in a church one time with there were three retired ministers and the new guy. And the new guy was not preaching what the old guys preached. And so two of them got up and they were going to punch him in the board meeting. <laughs> Serious. I said, hey, you guys, uh, wait a minute. Oh, time out. You can't do that. We're, we're Christians, right? So, yeah. So we, we can't let uh, words that are going to hurt people either. We can't let those things escape out of our mouths. God puts a hunger and thirsting for righteousness in our hearts. When we first got married, and I, I really was hungering and thirsting. I, I wanted to know Jesus so much. I just had to saturate my life in the Bible. I'd go to a prayer meeting. I was, I was in a little dinky town with um, just a handful of church members. I would go there. And here I'm a long-haired hippie freak with like people in their 70s, 80s, and 90s. And I'm enjoying it. I just want to go there and hear people talk about Jesus and the Word of God. And So that's what God does to us. We, we hunger and thirst after Knowledge and after righteousness and wanting to know Jesus. Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. That's the promise that God's going to fill us. The things that we once loved, you will hate, and the things you once hated, you now love. And I've experienced that in real life. And my wife and I both thought that whoever wrote that was crazy. We would never stop loving the things that we loved in the world. And God has done that with us. So God puts enmity for sin in our hearts. So we're not going to be watching CSI and trying to discover how the body ended up in that certain place, in that shape. Okay? That's not part of it. Acts the Apostles. The nearer you come to Jesus, and the more clearly we discern the purity of His character, the more clearly shall we see the exceeding sinfulness of sin. The more we realize what Jesus Christ went through for us. And you know, really, in reality, after looking back, Jesus filled all those holes that God had taken out that I was, thought was so precious to me and I want to hold on to. Jesus filled those, those holes. There will be a continual reaching out of the soul after God, a continual earnest, heartbreaking confession of sin and humbling of the heart before Him. Lord, I need You. I need You more today than I did yesterday. It's just humbling. At every advanced step in the Christian experience, our repentance will deepen. And we shared that yesterday. Uh, there is born within You a desire to share with others. This is a, the next step in sanctification. He not only cleans us up and takes things out of our lives, the bad habits and all that stuff, if we're willing to give them up. But now he, with me, he woke me up to the needs of people around me. So from going from being a self-centered person to I want things my way, now all of a sudden I'm looking at other people and realize there's people out there that have more needs than I do. And what can I do to help them? And so the first thing he did was, um, oh, no sooner does one come to Christ, uh, then there's born in his heart a desire to make known to others what a precious friend he has found. The saving and sanctifying truths cannot be shut up in his heart. 
Do you guys remember where you came from before you met Jesus, what you were like? You have a story to tell. And there's other people that need to hear your story that only you can tell them. Okay. Uh, if we are clothed with righteousness of Christ and are filled with the joy of his indwelling spirit, we shall not be able to hold our peace. And that's true. I told you about the girl in the plane when I didn't want to talk yesterday. And God put me in a position where I had to share what I was doing in my story. If we have tasted and seen that God is good, we shall have something to tell. Now, have you found out that God's good? Praise God. Three people in here. I'm proud of you. Happy, happy for you. Okay. No, he's good, right? He is good. Yeah. All right. He's on our side. Okay. Now, in Mark 5.19, Jesus told the demoniacs, to go and tell what the Lord has done for you. We don't have to go to Andrews to figure out what to tell people. This is a personal experience between you and Jesus Christ, and you have a story to tell others. And that's what Jesus told the demoniacs. Go home and tell what I've done for you. So this is our van. This is Jody and I after we, our honeymoon. We got married, and then they, we came out to the van, and it was all, uh, yeah, it was like that. <laughs> And so we, uh, we left on our journey, on our honeymoon. And now we, starts picking up, we started picking up hitchhikers and sharing Jesus with them. So we're going down to Columbia Gorges. It's a beautiful place that goes out to the Oregon coast. It's, have you been in the Pacific Northwest? It, yeah, if, you, if you're really missing a lot if you haven't been there. And so we, uh, we're driving down the coast, down, down the gorge, and there's a guy hitchhiking. He's got a dog, and he's going to California. Of course, they all, everyone's going to California then. Picked him up. This is a him. Um, and we just started sharing about how Christ had been changing our lives and the reality of, of God. And so we talked to him and talked to him. We went 80 miles out of our way because we kept talking to him and sharing things. Got into Daniel 2 and the image and all, you know, all this. And then we let him off in a place called Tillamook, Oregon. And he's standing alongside the road, and we gave him some, some food to take with him. And he goes, who, who are you people anyway? <laughs> he's, he's just beside himself. It was like the Lone Ranger, you know, and at the end of the show, they go, who was that masked man? It was kind of like that. And so uh, we, we enjoyed it so much. Just, uh, and he was a captive audience. He couldn't jump out. You know, he wanted to ride. So, so, so we, uh, yeah, we really enjoyed doing that together. God softens our hard hearts, too. God does this. This is part of sanctification. Okay, so he softens our hearts. Now, when my mom had me drinking my water, going for walks, eating vegetables, and those types of things, while I would go for my walk, it was a little town, about 1,200 people. I'd go around this one block, and I'd see this lady in the hospital bed, and all of a sudden, this still, still small voice came to my mind. I really do appreciate this still small voice. I don't want you to think I'm tired of him, but I liked it. But I started arguing with him. The still small voice said, go ask the lady what her problem is. I go, what? I'm not going to do that. And so I'm walking, I see her over there. I, yeah, I the front, the picture window of her house, she's laying in a bed. Yeah, okay. So go, go talk to the lady. No, I'm not going to talk to the lady. Yeah, go talk to her. I wouldn't do it. So then I, the next day I'd come around the house, I'd see her in there. 
go talk to the lady. Go talk to her. No, I'm, I'm not. She'll think I'm crazy. You don't just go walk into some strange person in a hospital bed in her house. So I argued for like three or four days. The last day, it was just like this. No, I'm not going to go. Okay, okay, I'm sick of it. I'll, I'll go talk to her. I'll go. No, I'm not going. Back and forth. So someone had a videotape. They would have seen that. It would have been crazy looking. So I finally gave in. I let go. Went over and talked to her. Knocked on the door. Come in. I walked in. I said, hey, um, this sounds kind of weird. I don't know you, but I've been walking by your house here every day for a couple of weeks, and I was just wondering if there's something I could do to help you. And then she told me she had rheumatoid arthritis, couldn't get out of bed. The fluid in her eyes had, had dried up. She couldn't look at TV. She couldn't read a book. It just hurt too much. Every time she blinked, her eyelids would feel like there was a gravel in there. It's just a terrible situation. So I, I didn't know what to say. I'm just, I mean, I'm just out of the world a few weeks, maybe a month or so, I don't know. And this thought came into my mind, share with, with her what you've been reading. And I said, well, um, you know, I've been reading this little book. It's called Steps to Christ. Does everyone have this book? Is there anyone that doesn't have the book? Everybody has it? Great, I get to keep these. Woo! <laughs> so, and so she says, I said, I could come over and read to you every day for a while. Oh, would you? That would be awesome if you could do that. She didn't say awesome. That would be wonderful if you could do that. So I would go over there and read to her just a couple paragraphs and then share how, what it meant to me. And then uh, I did that for several weeks. And she was finding peace and joy in, in her condition because Jesus was talking to her. And she was realizing that he loved her. And so after several weeks, she died. She stopped and died. But I know I'm going to see her again. She found Christ. So praise God. And God knew that. He kept prompting me, go see her, go see her. Several times in my life this has happened where I've argued with God. And uh, in fact, I'm going to tell you one more story. I was, it's on the same wavelength here. Um, I was building a house in Seattle. I worked in an academy uh, with some kids, and during our breaks, I'd take the kids different places. We'd build things, because that's what I did. I built things. And so um, I was building this house in Seattle, and there was a fruit stand down at the bottom of this hill where we'd stay, and every day we'd go by the fruit stand. And one of the kids would say, hey, can we get a watermelon? I'd go, yeah. So I'd go in there. We, we, we went to get this watermelon. The first day I went in there, and uh, I didn't use nail guns back in those days. We used sinkers, which had vinyl coatings on these 16-pin nails. So this green stuff would get on your fingers. And so she noticed that, and she said, what are you doing, picking berries? I go, what? Oh, oh no, no, we're building a house. For yourself or somebody else? I said, well, it's for somebody else. Yeah, that's the way it is down here. We're always building things for other people. Isn't that a weird thing? And so I go, yeah. And then this thought, this still small voice came in my mind and said, tell her about the house you're going to build when the earth is made new. <laughs> I go, wait, I can't be telling her. I, I mean, this, this is a business. I can't be tell her. And so I go, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it. And so she had a, a, kind of a counter there. I got up on the counter and sat on it like that <laughs> and looked at her like this. I said, one of these days, I'm going to build my own house and no one else is going to inhabit it. Oh, really? Where's that going to be? Well, 
I believe Jesus Christ is going to make this earth brand new. And we all get to build our own houses and have vineyards and all kinds of crazy stuff. And she goes, oh, wow, tell me more. And so I started sharing some more things with her. And I said, listen, I've got a couple of books with me. I'll just give you the books. Went out, grabbed Steps to Christ and Health and Happiness and gave them to her. We left. That was it. I mean, man, God, that was really weird. And then uh, a couple of days later, the kid says, can we get another watermelon? Sure. Dropped in there. She goes, you guys, you're back. You're back. You saved my life. You saved my marriage. I go, wait a minute. What do you mean? I didn't save your marriage. Yes, those books. My husband and I were Christians, and we had given up on God because we were having so many hard times, and we had split for him, left him. And that book, Steps of Christ, really touched my, my husband's heart. And now we're having devotions again. And she's reading the, the other book. Okay, God knew this is what I'm talking about. He knew this. So start listening to that still small voice. Okay? Let's just see what happens. So the third time we went to get a watermelon, she was gone. I go, what, what happened to the lady in the watermelon stuff? They moved back to Missouri. Missouri. Now, I, I don't know if anybody's from Missouri, but... Are you really, brother? I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend you when I say this. Okay. Why, I, why would you move back to Missouri? Yeah. But, but the point, I, when I, after that whole thing, I thought, God, how many opportunities, these little slivers of, of time that we have to share with somebody, and we don't take it. We don't see it. And so I'm always praying, oh, God, help me. Open my eyes so I can see, so I'm listening to you, so I can plant a seed there. And I've had some unbelievable experiences. And someday... If we have just a time for sharing those types of things, I would like to do that because it's so much fun to work with God. So, okay, so she passed away, but she found Christ. And then there's the homeless, helping the homeless people. And we, we did that for a while. We, we fed people in the, on the streets in New York with a van ministry. We were there feeding people. And just your eyes and hearts are open to the needs of people. God softened my heart to helping other people. Our worldly interests are replaced with heavenly interests. We, we spent 25 years in Christian education uh, because I want kids to understand what I'd gone through and that they don't have to go through that, and they can find Jesus right now and not go through all that stuff. And that's, that was my point yesterday. You don't have to go to hell to understand that you need Christ. And each one of us must get to that point where we see that without Jesus, we're nothing. Okay, I hope you got that yesterday. Okay, since you have been risen, raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affections, mind, on things above, not on things of this earth. For you died yesterday, and... Uh, and your life is now, today, hidden with Christ in God. Right? We, we have to start thinking this way, folks. Really. We're not the old creatures anymore. That died yesterday. We're brand new. And God started a new life in us yesterday. Okay? When Christ, who is our life, shall appear then you shall also appear with him in glory. 
because we're going to be living that life of Christ. We're going to be looking for the needs of other people and taking care of them. So the old man is dead, that old nature. Knowing this, that the old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is free from sin. We're dead to the old way of life. Okay. Therefore, um, put to death your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. We're being sanctified now. We're being made holy in the, in the likeness of Jesus Christ. We did the justification yesterday. Today we're being sanctified. Now you yourself are to put off these things out of Colossians 3.8. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. I read that and I go, man, Lord, I need help here. And he did it. And he, this is what he told me. And still small voice said, slow down and think before you speak. And that one thing helped me to say no to swearing and dirty jokes and things like that. Romans 6, 6 through 7, being made free from sin, you become the servants of righteousness. Okay, so now our job, we're connected to Christ, now our job is to take care of other people and watch for ways we can help them and bless others. And that you put on, I never look like this guy. I never, <laughs> that's not me. But that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. Okay. That's what we're to put on. And God will come and he'll do that in us as we spend time with him. Sanctified life is a self-denying life. The Christian life is not a modification or improvement of the old, but a transformation of the nature. There is death to self and sin and a new life altogether. I know this, I think this is one of the problems we have with our evangelism. We get them to, to believe what we believe in the 27 from 28 fundamental doctrines. We don't teach them about that it's not just putting on an old garment on the same old body that it's all new. It's not, it's not an improvement of the old. God transforms us from the inside out. Death to self and sin and a new life altogether. This is Paul saying this, and we need to say this every day too. I say it. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not I, but Christ now lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. Sanctified life is not easy because you have to die to yourself. And the old nature doesn't like it to die. It wants to live. The warfare against self is the greatest battle that was ever fought. The yielding of self, surrendering all to the will of God, requires a, requires a struggle that the soul must submit to God because it can be before it can be renewed in holiness. And that's, we kind of talked about that yesterday with the white flag and surrendering up your will to God. 
Genuine sanctification, this is the definition of uh, definition for sanctification. It's a daily dying to self and daily conforming your will to the will of God. Okay, now justification was when God looks at you, he looks at you just as if you had not sinned, right? And so now sanctification is this daily dying to ourselves and conforming our will to the will of God. Those are the two definitions. What does self-denying life look like? Okay, this is the last story. Jody got a call to go down to Amazing Facts. I didn't. And so she didn't want to go. And so she had all this list why, why we couldn't go. Like, we had a cat. What are we going to do with the cat? Uh, I mean, all these little things, you know. And she made a list of them, and she was agonizing, and she was crying, and, and I, don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go. So she made a list of ten things why she couldn't go. She went to sleep. God woke her up in the middle of the night with ten Bible verses explaining why she could go. And so it was really pretty cool. And she goes, oh, no, I guess we're going to California. So we got the 27-foot, that's 24, and that's 22. Yeah, it's 42 foot. Because I, I like to impress me. And 42 sounds a lot more impressive than 24, doesn't it? So we're, I'm driving this big old U-Haul down in California. Self-denial, yeah. So uh, we get down there. We rented a motel, or an apartment, which I hate mo- apartments, but we, that's what we had to do. Unloaded. And so the next day, we re- I rent a storage unit to store the stuff that wouldn't fit into the, the apartment. Uh, and I told her, I said, listen, just follow me. When we leave here, just follow me, because I don't know where this U-Haul place is. And we're in a foreign area. We don't know the people and all that. Just follow me. And so I get in a truck. I drive down one block. I look in the mirror. She's not there. I go, what happened? Where'd she go? So I pull over, and I wait, and wait, and wait, nothing. I go, oh, brother, what in the world? Just follow me. Turn around, go back to storage area. Uh, did you see my wife? Well, yeah, she left with you. No, she didn't. <laughs> so, anyway, long story short, we drove around this little town for several hours trying to find each other. And I'm driving this truck uh, up and down streets. Why couldn't she just follow me? Right? And so I'm starting to feel the pull of the flesh. You guys ever felt the pull of the flesh? I mean, like, like right on edge, like I'm going to scream, because I have a time limit. I have to get this truck back, and now I can't find her. So I'm getting up, t- up tight, stomach ache and anxiety. And, and then, I, oh, oh, here she comes now. She's coming right towards me. Hey, just go around the block. Go around the block. So we went around two different blocks. I never did find her. True story. True story. And so then I was really upset. And so finally, before I lost control of myself, the Holy Spirit said, pull over and wait for her. Which, and I think, I, I tell women this, the women probably would have done that hours before I did, right? But I didn't, I had to keep agonizing, thinking I can work this thing out, I can figure it out. So I pulled over and I started praying. You should pray for your wife, she's, she doesn't like traffic and she's in a new place too and she's afraid. So then I started praying for her. And then by doing that, then I relaxed and I calmed down, and now here, here she comes. Oh, wow. She pulled in the parking lot. She got out of the truck, my pickup, 
And we had these little track phones we bought because we didn't want to run up big bills like we have now. And, <laughs> and uh, she said, just keep this with you. I go, okay, great. So, yeah. So, uh, self-denial. I the di- the diamond. There is part two to this. <laughs> <laughs> but there was this dying of self, this crucifying of self, and picking up our cross daily and falling. Did they got those? They got these, these. If any man come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow. Now, every day is new and, and different. It's exciting. We don't know what's going to happen. So every day we need to pick up that, that cross. And so that as we surrender ourselves to Christ every day and we commit our ways into the Lord, then whatever happens during that day, we can say, okay, with faith that God is with me through this thing. Okay? So we can endure it. Self-denial means to rule the spirit when passion is seeking the mastery. Passion was seeking the mastery with me, but I didn't give in to it. I felt the pull of the flesh, in fact, if I had the time, I'd read you some more statements that are not on the screen. That says it's the Christian will feel. The, you got it? Oh, good. Great. She's going to talk about that. So uh, to resist temptation, to censor, and to speak fault-finding words. I've been there. I taught kids for 20-some years, so I had a lot of different times when I wanted to say something. Uh, to have patience with a child who is dull and whose conduct is trying. Have you ever been there? Yeah. But this is what denying self is all about. To stand at your post of duty when others might fail. Why do I have to do this? I'm the only one doing this stuff. They always ask me to do it, and I have to do it. No one else is helping me. I'm all alone. So you got to stop. you got to stand by your post of duty. To lift responsibility whenever and uh, wherever you can. To work on even though your efforts is not appreciated and receive no credit. My wife spent a lot of time planning things at the school where we work. And she planted this, this appreciation dinner for our, our leadership. She did all the planning, got all the fundraising together, and sent our principal administrator to Hawaii because uh, we appreciated him. But she didn't get any appreciation for it. She was the only one that didn't get appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> but we worked on. That's not why we were doing it, to get credit for it. No. Okay. Take up your cross means to keep silent and let others to praise, lips praise you when you would praise yourself. To see to the needs of others and do what you can to relieve them instead of pleasing yourself. That's a hard one. To practice Christian courtesy even when it is inconvenient to do so. To open your door to the homeless, though to do so may tax your means and your patience. We've had a number of people live with us since we surrendered our lives to Christ. The last time we had a girl that was a prostitute and a methamphetamine person. And uh, it was not easy, but we gave her a place to stay with a clean bed and her own bathroom. It totally blew her away and good food to eat. And she was with us for about six weeks, went through every Ken Cox tape we had, every uh, Amazing Facts tape we had. She was really soaking up the word. And so she went home to see her mother where she hadn't been home for a number of years, went home, got hooked back on meth, and we never saw her again. 
So, uh, but we did what we could. We planted seeds, and I have no idea what God's going to do with that. Okay, let's have prayer. Father, my desire, my personal desire, Lord, is that your church would know you. We're your people here, Lord. You know us. You know our strengths and weaknesses. And yet, Lord, we believe that you have the power to change us into your likeness, to make us holy and complete. Please be with each person here, Lord. I pray. I, I want to see these people again on the sea of glass. So keep us faithful, Lord. Surround us with your hedge of angels that excel in strength. Keep us from falling, Jude 24, you said you would. Help us to submit to you, Lord, to walk with you daily. Thank you for being here today, Lord. A lot of examples, a lot of stories. I just pray that something will click and help these folks to walk with you. Thank you for answering prayer. Bless us for the rest of this day. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.